Welcome. You have found Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. This week, we are answering one of the questions we hear most often from you, our listeners. How do you find time to read? I know, and I love how, as usual, we are polar opposites on some things, Christy, and in perfect alignment on others when it comes to the shared passion. Today, you can look forward to how to hack reading for ourselves, our kids, and our wallets. No wonder we couldn't stop talking. I know, this is a double blockbuster sort of summer podcast episode. Okay, friends, get comfy. Here we go. Welcome back, friends, to the third in our series of How to Hack It, life tips from Lisa, Joe, and Christy, who honestly are not known for generally giving life tips, but we do like <laughs> to make life simpler. So that's really our goal, adding some simplification maybe to your own plans for whatever season you're in, whether it's summer or winter. Uh, here we are, episode number three, How to Hack da, 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 Reading. Yay! Feels very on brand for us. How to hack reading. And part of why we wanted to drop this in is that we have heard from a few folks over the years. How do you find time to read? How do you get through so many books? How do you know which book to read next? How do you get your kids to read? Do you read aloud as a family? Lots of these questions. So we thought in this third of our episodes, uh, we, we tackle some of that, throw in some of our tips, our hacks for how to hack reading. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about this one. And um, I did take a minute sort of to pause and think before we started recording. Well, not only how do I read so much, because I do read a lot, probably more than the average person. I Yes, most likely more. <laughs> but also, why? Is it okay if I start with why? I like, like why that. Do I? And I think we should get a frame of reference, like how many books can you say per week? Like, I think it'd be interesting to share with people what kind of number you're talking about. Because I don't know, yeah. I always find that's just a curious thing. I'm I'm interested in knowing how many books a week a person reads. I'm always surprised when some friends do recaps on Instagram of the books they've read in a month. I'm amazed at how many people get through. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So I am terrible at tracking these things. I have a Goodreads account. I used to have a little book where you could write down every every book you read. I love the idea of being able to go back and see what I've read because often I'll remember something just a little bit and I, for the life of me, can't remember what book it's in. But despite all my best intentions, I never keep track. I cannot remember to record things in Goodreads. So I, don't, I have... I couldn't tell you exactly, but let me just think. I mean, it depends on the season, of course. I probably read a little more in summer, maybe. And I I imagine I'm reading at least half a dozen books a month, sometimes maybe more, sometimes maybe less. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm moving through novels always pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. I might be working on two or three more nonfiction, denser things that, you know, take me a few months. I'm always working through some sort of like devotional or like, you know, spiritual classic. Um, so, you know, taking that into account all the, at the different pace I'm reading each of those things, I'm probably reading the last page of maybe six books a month. You That's know, and then news, I like to read newspapers and magazines. And, and is yeah. that a full cover-to-cover -cover read or is that a skim? I don't think I know how to skim, Lisa Joe. Okay. <laughs> what, what is this skim you speak of? 
Well, I am the queen of the skim, so I'll touch on that as one of my hacks. That's great. That that's a good. Yeah, I'll maybe I can learn from you. I feel like I yeah, like I'm 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 always that firstborn good girl rule follower. <laughs> I don't know how to skim. So yeah, this would def- this would for me would be cover to cover. And um, you know, I think some of that is just like like my own temperament and my own preference. I mean, I was that kid who read every cereal box we had, like, I was going to say cover to cover, but you know what I mean? Like (laughs) front to back, I guess, (laughs) (laughs) because I couldn't sit there eating my breakfast without reading something. And if I didn't have a book or a newspaper or a magazine that my parents had left lying around, I would just sit there and read the cereal box. I just had to be reading. So, you know, some of this is just innate to me. No, I will say no one else in my family reads as much as I do. You know, um, my kids read a bit, but they, they, they're not and never have been readers like I am. So I think some of what we're sharing today, it's it's just going to differ, of course, you know, based on our own temperaments and preference. And, you know, some of us are more social. Some of us are more like internal thinkers like I am. So um, I think given my temperament, my interest, like reading is a huge, huge part of my life. But I think that does mean that, yeah, I have some tips to share because because it matters so much to me, I have learned how to fit it in with a really busy life with work and writing and kids and gardening and all the other things that, you know, pull me in a few different directions. Um, somehow, ever since that childhood with the cereal boxes, I have been a reader. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Get us. Get us with your hit us with your best hacks. Okay, so I think this is the first thing I will mention is that I real if you want to read more, then you should be reading more than one thing at a time. And the reason is this, we all find ourselves in a book that we may be enjoying, we may want to finish, we may value, but we'll hit a slow patch or we'll hit a moment in it where we're not maybe exactly so excited or so eager to go back and keep turning those pages. Um, so because I always have multiple books going at once, if I don't feel like reading one thing at one particular moment, I usually have like three or four other things <laughs> that I can get back into. And so that's why, you know, I might be reading a nonfiction book quite slowly, but I'm kind of burning through the novels on the side. It also means because I'm reading through multiple books at once, I am keeping these books or I am leaving these books in different places. So there's the book I was just reading last night before I fell asleep in bed. That one's still by my nightstand. But this morning after I made my cup of coffee, I ended up in our little front parlor room and I found the book on a little table there that I had been reading yesterday. So because I'm reading numerous books and I'm leaving them in different places around the house, it means when I have a moment and I just want to read something like say just now I was eating my lunch, I was alone in the dining room, I I grabbed the book that I had just happened to keep there. So multiple books means I'm always making progress through something and I'm not constantly like running all the way back to the car or the purse or the room where I left something because I can just pick up something else that's close to hand. So it's like, um, I don't know, somehow that abundance actually equals like more books equals more opportunity, more reading, more interest. And I think that helps add up to more books that I actually get through each month. So interestingly enough, I do the same. I actually just looked over at my bookshelf and I think I have five right now that I'm moving between. 
I do it for the same reasons. I like to have something fiction. I like to have something nonfiction, something devotional, maybe some theology I'm reading, a little smattering, a smorgasbord, if you will, of all kinds of things. I also do not feel like a perfectionist when it comes to books. I don't feel obliged to read the whole thing if I'm not that into it. If it's a great fiction, I'm going to get sucked right in and have to read all of it. And if it's a great nonfiction, I might too. But sometimes I like to dabble. I like to pick it up. I always give the first chapter a chance. But then sometimes I like to skim into the middle of the book and kind of pick out favorite flavors along the way till I get to the end so that I've got the flavor of the book overall, even if I didn't read every word of the book. And it still gives me a chance then to feel like I'm keeping current with things that are out there that I want to be informed on. I will say sometimes I move from the hard paper or hard back copy of a book into an electronic copy. Because what I like to be able to do is take notes in my Kindle where I can highlight things or write comments because in future, I like to be able to go and find those passages. And if I'm reading electronically, I skim faster too. Because I'm kind of like skimming down the page and jumping through the book and looking for things that really resonate. Usually that's if it's a book that's more like a nonfiction teaching type book. You know, maybe it's on memoir writing or it's on safe boundaries or parenting. Then I can popcorn through the book in the areas or chapters that I'm specifically trying to find information on. But I do find that that kind of inspires my mind. It lights up some parts of it. And then it allows me when I go back to a fiction read to slow down again and sink into the book. But for me, a hack is not to feel like you have to read every word of a book, but to get from the book what you need from the book, which I know as an author would make me furious to hear somebody say, (laughs) I would be like, no, I slaved over those words. You better soak in them till your fingers are pruney. But as a reader, I give you permission, kind of like how we talked about last week and how to hack drive time. How does the book serve you? What is it that you need to get out of that book? Some books, I will say, you need to serve the book. You need to pause and give it your full presence and attention. Um, But that'll be a later hack. In this first one, guess what? You have permission in that stack of books from the library. Get a whole bunch. And if you don't read some of them, that's fine. Maybe you got bored after the first chapter. Ditch it. Maybe you want to skim to the end. Guess what? You're allowed to do that. We give you permission. (laughs) Sorry, Christy, just block your ears. <laughs> so I do have a I have a follow-up question for you. As someone who never ever ever reads ebooks, I have a feeling maybe it's more to do with the devices and the technology I have. So what what sort of device do you use to read an ebook like a Kindle? Yeah, or? that's a good question. So I don't ebook would not be my go-to. So if I am reading a fiction book that I really want to enjoy, Typically, I'm going to be reading that if I can as a, you know, an actual printed book. But if I'm reading a book that I'm using for research for when I'm writing my own book, or it's sort of a more teaching type book where I want to be able to take notes, because I take notes in hard copies, but I can't find them easily. And I love, so it's on the Kindle app, but I don't own a Kindle. So it's either the Kindle app on my phone My preference, though, weirdly enough, is to read it on my computer. And I like it because it's big. It's a big screen. I'm getting older now. Reading on my phone is too small. My eyes feel tired. 
my son had a Kindle and I tried reading on that and I just didn't like the light, how it was reflecting. So I actually enjoy having it on my computer. It's got a big double page spread. I can click through it. I tend to skim really quickly if it's electronic material like that and I can pause and highlight. And what I love about the Kindle app is that it saves all your highlights. So you can actually go to a page on your Kindle app and just pull up all of your highlights from all of your books. Oh, wow. And then you can go and just select a book and it'll show you all of your highlights. And I love that because then if you are trying to remember a passage, you can scroll through your highlights, find the passage. And then when you click on it again, it expands it back to wherever the page was, where that passage was. I just find that as a really helpful tool for me. So fiction, typically, I'm going to read it in a book, you know, a printed book if I can. If it's really light fiction that doesn't require much from me, I might read it on the Kindle app on my phone, you know, in bed. But I have been known to sit with my laptop in bed in the same way I would watch Netflix and read a book that way on my laptop, especially because I'm impatient. So if I can't I don't want to wait if the book is, you know, the library doesn't have a copy. Kindle allows you almost always um, as an ebook to get from your library immediately. They have many more copies of ebooks than others. So if I'm impatient, I'll grab it as an ebook and read it on my laptop. Weirdly enough, um, I really enjoy that more than the Kindle device or my phone. So for fiction, but for nonfiction, I like it because it allows me to take lots of highlights uh, throughout the book. That makes so much sense. And I feel like, um, like I, I realized, oh, I could really benefit from that. I can imagine what it would be like to have a like, sort of Kindle library full of notes on my computer, where at any time I could go and easily access the things I'd highlighted or wanted to remember. I don't have any kind of system like that. And I'm sure it holds me back in all kinds of ways. But I also feel like, I don't know, Lisa, if you've read like profiles of famous writers from maybe a generation or two ago where you found out that like you find out that they were still writing all of their books like longhand yes. on notepads or something, <laughs> yeah. even though like word processing was a thing. Right. And I would always read that and think, oh my gosh, like why didn't they adapt? What was wrong with them? <laughs> but I feel like that reader, like I just can't, I just cannot adapt. <laughs> I don't like reading on screens. I, I should adapt. It would make so much more sense, but I, I'm just not. Although I did, I'd say within the past, really since the pandemic, I made a, a switch and I have really embraced audiobooks. And, and that's been a very recent thing for me. So I guess, I guess there's always hope <laughs> that even, even if we're pretty um, solid in, in our reading habits that maybe we can change. So, um, Audiobooks have always been a part of our family reading life. So we have for many years had a subscription to Audible and just shared it as a family, the kind of thing that gave you a credit or two a month. And so during all the years of my kids growing up, that was um, something I encouraged them to do. My kids, like I mentioned, have never been big readers, but they have been exposed to a lot of books through, you know, the audio format. Um Often I would like play a book for like they would get like 15 or 20 minutes of book listening time, like, you know, as they were going to sleep. My youngest still does that. She's been listening to um, there are a million of these Sammy Keys mystery novels for little kids. <laughs> so she's been uh, listening to those every night for like a year, it feels like. Um, so 
children's books or in car trips. That was the other thing. When my kids were young, if we were spending any time in the car, we would always have an audiobook going. Um, but never, ever, ever did I use that format for my own personal reading. Now, partially, I realized I was hesitant, I think, because we shared this family account. I didn't I didn't want to use the credits for my books, and I didn't want to dump in things that were inappropriate for kids because I wanted them right. to just have free access to that. Um, but actually, I worry about that less now, even though we still have the shared account. Um, I just know that now my kids are old enough if they were to read some of what I, I was reading, I would be glad. Yeah, <laughs> that would be <yeah>. great. <laughs> oh, wonderful. You're reading, you know, let's talk about it. So, um, but they're not. So, <laughs> it's okay. Um, so, yeah, as they've grown up, the Audible account has become more for me. And so, then this is where the switch really happened, Lisa Joe. Early in the pandemic, all of a sudden, all my kids were home. Um, they had no school. We're all together as Many people remember we were all together in the house. We couldn't go anywhere. Um, and I was really desperate for like solitude, <laughs> not just quiet, but just solitude. And it was during that time that I realized one way I could get something sort of like solitude, some kind of removal or space, um, even though I was still sharing, you know, close quarters with my whole family was um, by putting in earbuds or headphones and just listening to a novel. Even if I was in the same room with somebody else, or more often if I was outside weeding or taking care of the garden, if I was listening to a novel in my headphones, it was as if I was suddenly now kind of at a remove. I was in my own world. And I think, um, yeah, it just, it just gave me some space and something like alone time, even though it wasn't really alone time. <laughs> and, and I think also I had the good luck to, to, to need that at a time where I just happened to find this really long, involved, immersive novel that I was really enjoying, the kind of thing that, you know, I kept wanting to put the headphones back on and listen to it and, um, you know, trying to find more time to listen. So it was a good listening experience coupled with, I think, my need to get away a little bit from the, whatever noise or conversations or needs, you know, were happening in my family. And so that just sort of switched something, I think, for me. And now um, I always have at least one audiobook going. Um, that I'll, you know, we talked about this in our last episode, How to Hack Drive Time. Often it'll be the thing that I'm listening to in the car um, this spring as I was spending a lot of time in the garden and weeding. Um, I was listening to novel after novel and, I, you know, I love gardening anyway, but it made gardening a whole lot more fun. So I, I don't know. Do you do audiobooks at all? Well, I'm curious. Do you listen to it on double speed or anything or are you just on regular speed? Oh, no. Yeah, totally regular speed because I'm not not listening to anything so like, you know, we talked about Voxers as well, like uh, like um, uh, text messages and, and voice messages on our phones right, last week when we right. talked about driving, hacking drive time. So when I listen to audiobooks, I'm not trying to absorb information as fast as possible. I'm just trying to be in a, a story. Even if it's nonfiction or theology or something, I don't, you know, I want to make sure I'm absorbing it and following it. So, yeah, I never, ever listen on okay. Double speed. So yeah, just just regular speed. So Audible is a hack for you to get through more books. I will confess as much as you do not like ebooks, that is how much I dislike audiobooks. It's the strangest thing and I cannot get into them at all. I find it 
almost intrusive because when I'm reading, it's happening in my own head. It's my imagination and my voices for the characters and how I pronounce their names. And when I have another voice, it almost feels like there's a third person now in the room with me and the book characters that I experience as an intruder and I want them out. So no, audiobooks <laughs> have not been something I can get myself into, which is funny because uh, they really are huge. I mean, they're taking off everywhere. People are so into them. My daughter, however, it was definitely a hack for us on a long road trip to Florida last year. She powered through almost all of the Harry Potter books on Audible. She loves oh, they're great Audible. On, on, yeah. yeah. So it's been a great, great experience for her, but just something I could never really seem to get into. Yeah, I, I, that makes total sense. I, and I don't, I can't exactly explain why it's different for me. It, it, it's a different reading experience for sure. And I have found, for instance, I recently, I, I let you know, you and I both, I love to read mysteries. I have found that my usual mystery reading isn't always my favorite in an audio format because I'm such a visual person that I find it harder to keep track of suspects and, you know, because mm -hmm, I'm not mm -hmm. looking at their names. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of learning through trial and error that there are certain books that I appreciate more in that format. Um, and there's some, and I'm realizing as well how much the reader matters. So, um, I always listen to the little snippet to tell if I like their voice. And I'll sometimes I'll Google, like if there's various versions, like for instance, of a classic novel, I will take the time to like Google, like who, you know, who are the, the best readers out there? Because I'm realizing that for some books, um, the, a really great reader. And for me, that means not someone who's such an actor that it's like a full theatrical production. They're, you know, putting on every voice for every character, but someone whose voice I really like to listen to and someone who, without seeming to try hard, can give a different inflection for different characters. That helps me really understand, you know, who who is who's in this story and sort of keep track of who who is in this story. But yeah, I think, you know, it's good to realize, and it's why it's so fun to do these conversations with you, with a friend, is that there's no right or wrong way. And some of it is a bit of trial and error and figuring out what works for us. But I will say, you know, to get back to the why, you know, we've said this a million times on the podcast, but it is worth repeating. Reading and books, yes, they can be a hobby. Certainly not everyone needs to read as many mystery novels as I do in a year. <laughs> you know, that, that's a hobby. That's something I pursue for pleasure and so on. But some amount of reading, um, I think, is uh, it's just so, it can do so much for us. It can give us so much. I, I often feel like I've had the, the real blessing of having kind of lived almost like a million different lives or experienced the world through so many different pairs of eyes um, that I think it has exercised muscles in me of empathy and understanding and creativity um, that I don't think could have been exercised in any other way, at least not so quickly in a lifetime. I even had the experience recently, and um, I know we're probably coming to the end of this conversation, but this was something that sort of surprised me to realize about myself here in my mid-40s now. I've been a reader for a long time. I think for many years, I read and was so just in awe of the magic of books and of storytelling that I never, 
I just assumed that only certain people can create books and tell stories, and I could never do that. And I, as I've shared on the podcast before, it was a sort of gradual realization of realizing, no, no, I also have words to share. Um, but this week, uh, recently when we were on vacation, just on a whim because it was there, I picked up a children's book, a kind of a much younger children's book than I normally read. And, um, and it was the kind of book I would have loved as a kid, as a new reader. And I realized reading it, not only... Not only have I had this opportunity over a lifetime to experience so many different stories, so many different ways of seeing the world, but I realized reading this book, you know what? I bet if I ever wanted to, I could sit down and write a book for for that child reader I used to be. Now, I don't know if that will fit into my life or if I'll ever pursue that, but I realized like I have learned a lot about how to tell a story, about language, about crafting a book like that, that, you know, if there was some topic that ever took me or if I wanted to put something down, maybe even just for my kids, I think I could probably do it because I've learned, you know, through a lifetime of reading. So I think reading not only is a way to learn about particular subjects, it's important for that, but it's just a way to learn, I think, without even realizing that we're learning like new ways of seeing, new ways of creating, It's a way of, and this is what we're all about on the podcast, new ways of enjoying ordinary life. Because again, I feel like I, in books, have access to so many different lives, places, ways of being in the world. It's like, um, it's like through books, I think our one, our one life almost becomes like a folded piece of paper that just has all these different folds in it now, what look like more two-dimensional is now just so multifaceted. And and that's really what books have given me. So however you do it, listeners, whatever you use, whether you write in your books or not, whether you do, you know, Kindle app or you do Audible app or something else entirely, um, I do encourage you to open up to reading more. And um, who knows? You you too might become a, a writer. You too. I mean, who knows I know, where it will I know. lead you? And I have to add a PS to this <laughs> conversation because I think we could not have a how to hack reading conversation without talking about our kids because part of that is how do you hack getting your kids to want to read? And I'll drop yeah. a few things here and I want to hear from oh, Christy too because my kids have not grown up as vociferous readers or voracious readers, but they're slowly tiptoeing into the arena. And I'll simply say this. I have I have found that it. I've tried picking out books for them and it hasn't necessarily worked. And what I've done recently is start taking them into a bookstore. And it's not even like mainly a bookstore. It's like we went into this weird little local store here that has all kinds of things. It's kind of like a five and below, but it also has a whole book section. And then I just let my kids wander in there. And I will say graphic novels have been really big for my teenage sons. They've loved them. My tween daughter likes them too. And I've also started to say yes when my sons have asked me about my oldest came and said, he wants to read a Stephen King novel. Have I ever read one of those? And I said, no, I haven't. Which one does he want to read? And he really wants to read Misery. And so I ordered it from the library, which is another hack. I don't spend all my money on books. The library is amazing. Christy as well. Get those (laughs) library cards. Take your kids to a library. Get them a card. Let them wander the aisles and pick whatever they want. I... Jackson came home with Misery. We ordered it from the library. I mean, he was texting me a picture to say Misery had arrived. He was so excited to pick it up from the library. I said I was too scared to read it, but I know exactly what the book's about. I've, I've read, a, read about it. I've watched interviews with Stephen King as he talks about it. 
And part of what I love with kids is reminding them that when you read a book, there are two voices that are actually speaking to you. One of the voices is the characters in the book, right? Just the baseline. But there's another voice, and it is the voice of the author who is there, also telling you something through their character. And so part of what's helped with kids is to tell them the behind the scenes. So Jackson and I as he became more afraid as he was reading it, I showed him the clips online of Joey Tribbiani and friends and how he used to put his books in the freezer when he was really scared of them, <laughs> which was really funny. I forgot about that. Since he had been reading The Shining at the time. And uh, and then I said to Jackson, what's really interesting about Stephen King is he wrote this book based on his own experiences. He had had a terrible accident. I think he was biking and he got hit by a car and he was in traction for a long time. But at the time, he was also wrestling a lot with family and expectations for his writing and how he felt boxed in and trapped and he could only write in a certain way. And when I shared this with him, Jackson immediately said, oh, that really helps to know. Because then you realize the characters are not just operating as a woman who has captured a writer and has trapped him in a torturous situation in her home. Now you're actually hearing the voice of the of a practicing writer who feels trapped by his craft and is trying to dissect it through writing about it in a book. So for me, it has been saying yes to books my kids are interested in and then kind of coaching them without seeming like you're coaching, coming alongside and being excited with them. And anytime my son now wants to talk to me about what he's read or what's happening in the book, I make room to listen and to be enthusiastic and to let him lead, not to correct him, not to say, no, that's not what it's about, or you shouldn't read this, or you didn't read enough, but to just pause and be excited and remember what it's like when you have that first experience of falling in love with the story. So Christy, we got to hear your hacks for kids too. Yeah, you know, it's funny you would mention that because I just had a conversation with my youngest right before we started recording. She'd come in, again, like her siblings, she's never been a huge reader, at least not in the way that I was. I have even purchased as like birthday gifts and stuff, multiple unicorn themed books, which I thought surely would capture her attention. <laughs> I feel like she listens to audiobooks all the time when we're there. I'm always so impressed yeah. by how much she, she listens. She does. She does. She does listen to a lot of stories, but like to sit down with a book is a little more rare for her. But uh, maybe two years ago, I've, I've lost track of time, but we were on vacation. So we ended up in this bookstore. And as I often do, I was, you know, telling the kids, hey, if there's anything in here that really you're really interested in, you know, come to me, show me, maybe we can get it for you. And so she found this book that I was sure was so far above her reading level. I really tried to steer her to something else. I I thought she, I, I don't know, I, the whole thing, I just thought, why is she insisting on this book? I don't, I, I didn't even think she was that interested in it. It almost felt to me like, like she was just determined not to choose something from the appropriate shelves. <laughs> like she just sort of want, I don't know, I, the whole thing. And But I ended up saying yes, even though I thought like, this is a mistake. Um, this is going to be a waste. She's not going to get into this. Well, one, two years later, however long it's been, this is now her series. I mean, she, she, she loves it. And as much as, she, you know, she's not a devourer of books, she has more or less consistently been reading this series. And so she was just in my office saying, Mom, can you buy me the, the rest of these books? And I said, well, you know, tell me which one you're in now. And do you have the next one? And she's like, yes and yes. But I, and so at first I thought, no, Elsa, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> like, why, why are you insisting I buy all these books? And then I just thought, wait, Christy, yep. stop. 
<laughs> and we stopped and we had a conversation about them. And I realized that she was just so excited to be able to see all the covers on the shelf and like know that she had the next one to get to. And I don't know, it was just like, yeah, I just realized, oh my gosh, yet again, even though I think of myself who's given my kids so much freedom and encouragement to read, yet again, there I was trying to put like my box on it, my, you know, what made sense to me, what seemed practical. And because reading um, matters so much to me, like you, I think I've learned to be much more hands-off, much more um, sort of less involved and more involved, meaning less involved and less controlling, but more involved in the sense of like more willing to let them try something, more willing to listen when they go on recounting the plot of the, (laughs) you know, whatever. (laughs) But now I'm dying to know what series it is. Are you going to tell us? Oh, so I went, I, it has to do with dragons. I, I, I can't remember. We'll find it. We'll find it for the show notes. I promise. I, it, but it features dragons and not unicorns, which I guess it's like unicorn adjacent. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. So I think what you're hearing from us, I really like. Let's sum it up by being less involved and more involved. There you go, right. listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us being so practical. Aren't we helpful? <laughs> All right, come back next week for more tips from Lisa Joan Christie on how to hack it. 